Hello, this is Rachel Moody from Darling Mill Studio and this is Casting the Inner Critic. I am fascinated with how so many creatives struggle with a negative internal dialogue. Where did it come from? Why is it there? How do they overcome it and keep creating in spite of it? In these conversations, we quite literally cast the inner critic and throw a spotlight on the ensemble within. This is my first interview in this series, and I'm speaking with artist Fiona Barrett-Clark. Her landscapes are exceptionally beautiful, a tad eerie and distinctly Australian. Off the back of her very recent and very successful exhibition held during the latest Sydney lockdown, I wondered, does someone who seems to have it so creatively sorted still have an inner critic? And if so, I was curious to know more. I see you as this incredibly successful, talented artist. You have this beautiful painting style. I have no idea how you get the colours and the, the beautiful perfectness of your paintings is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and you pretty much had this sellout show at St Cloche um, during the second lockdown in New South Wales. And it's hard to top that in terms of success. Like things, art is not easy to sell right now. Um, but tell me, like, how's your inner dialogue? Like what's going on? Do you well, have an inner critic? Oh, yes, because I find that terribly difficult to listen to. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Um, I think I'm constantly worried that I'll um, embarrass myself. Um and that it will all be a big fat failure. So, yes, I constantly have that running through my mind. But I do tend to kind of um, try to put up a little bit of a wall with it, I guess, too. So try and not let it infiltrate too much anymore, which I think I did a long time ago, but I try and, yeah, put that to the side a bit, a bit more now. Do you think that you put it to the side more because you're doing more work? Is that something that kind of overrides that inner dialogue yeah absolutely i think um yeah the more work you have you have to do like, i think it's a lot to do with deadlines as well like you just have to get the work done it it becomes a little bit more um not like a nine to five job or something but it, it just has to get done at some point so i don't know how it gets done sometimes but it just has to get done and I think um, I probably had a bit of a mind change a few years ago. My dad passed away and something after that, it just, it became essential to do it. And like he was very supportive. Um, and I think he was a person that probably just got stuff done. And I think that's kind of seeped in a little bit. And so I don't think I had that ability as much before then. Um, compared to to after so that's yeah well yeah I'm sorry for your loss and um but that's a really really interesting transition that you can link that shift mm. to to him I'm pretty sure it was Danielle Cursor from the Jealous Curator who got me thinking about naming your inner critic and mine is called Gertrude <laughs> <laughs> she's even got rude in her name so, <laughs> she's horrible she's like sepia and she's just oh she's like a horrible old matron from early 20th century and she just has dowdy clothes and she's so mean and so rude 
So um, I was just wondering if yours has a name. It doesn't have a name, no. Um, but she's incredibly lazy. Uh, too lazy to have a name. <laughs> she's too lazy to have a name. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely too lazy for a name. <laughs> I, I have this. I have this vision of like a version of yourself with like teased out crazy hair, just lying on a couch, yeah, yeah, dumb and just laying there being lazy. That that's pretty much that's that's what she looks like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's very bad um, during lockdown because people actually see her more than um, they should. Oh, we're all in the same boat there. <laughs> you know, what's that one? You get out of your, your night pyjamas and into your day pyjamas? Exactly, exactly. I have my um, three tracksuit pants that I rotate. So, <laughs> Do you have any idea where that n nasty sort of lazy and a critic voice came from? Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a few things. Um, I think um, I did have a drawing teacher take once say to me in a very condescending way, um, you had a good life growing up, didn't you, Fiona? And <laughs> um, and that really kind of, it was almost like I, I hadn't had it, um, the trauma to be an artist. That's kind of what he was saying. Um, and, and in some respects, maybe he was right. At the time, I didn't have the drive that um, I do now. Um, so he's probably right. But I think saying that to a probably 19-year-old at the time really kind of um, doesn't encourage you a lot. Um, and you do kind of dwell on that and you kind of think, um, oh, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not, I'm not one of the cool gang to, to be an artist. I'm, I do have a type of dyslexia. So um, that's, that's probably had benefits and negative things. I do get incredibly fearful about um, things and in a way, particularly reading and writing, and in a way I guess art means that I don't have to do that as much, which is, I mean, obviously there are many tasks within um, being creative that you do have to do that, but I get to work for myself. Um, and that's a big thing for me, not having to be working with other people and them seeing that. So, um, but that obviously, that's a different um, inner critic that I have. I have an inner critic to do with my reading and writing and then, a, then another one that <laughs> has to do with my painting. But maybe in a way um, my painting critic is maybe slightly less because that other inner critic is um it has so much fear involved in it so, so what is that inner critic like can you name oh, it terrifying it? Yeah. Well, terrifying yeah. like it really like if someone says oh can you read that even if i'm reading it to myself um if someone's standing there watching me do that i i basically don't see the words on the page um even though, I mean, I love reading books and all that kind of stuff, but doing it in front of people is so scary. And and even writing emails and things like that, I will I will check over it a million times. It's a very, it, she takes, you know, it takes so long to do anything. And, um, yeah, she's, she's not nice, <laughs> that person. And I think that will never go away. Um, but I guess because of my art, I don't have to confront it as much, which is... Great. What what do you find shuts down those kind of characters of 
your mind that are, they're having this negative dialogue painting really does shut it down for me i think i'm in a lucky position with my painting that i um i almost don't overthink it i think that's a where if i get too much in my head um if i if i was doing works that were more conceptual i think i have a really really hard time with that i think that you've nailed it there because really when you overthink anything of course those dialogues come into play um and when you're actually doing you're not necessarily thinking you're in the process of doing and that in yes. itself shuts down this this dialogue it's really interesting to me that a teacher just saying to you you've had a good life has formed <laughs> the basis of this judgmental lazy and a critic character yeah, like, yeah i've had a great life i'm just <laughs> chilling over here i haven't done my hair in a week and um <laughs> if i you know walk into the studio i'm just going to look at stuff and turn around and walk back out you know it's it's interesting to me that the words you know it's not hey you're terrible it's no. you've had a good life and how how is it that it's not even you're terrible that has triggered this it's kind of like it was it was very it was very much in a way it was you're terrible because you can't you, because you haven't been through enough you can't be an artist in a way and look maybe that's what he wasn't necessarily saying that maybe he was referring to drive or something i'm not quite sure but it really felt like um i wasn't traumatized enough to be an artist which i mean you always you always have that thing of the tortured artist and that's kind of what he was saying and it really did piss me off at the time so i'm thinking you don't know what i've been through um but look i did i had a i had a great family life and all that kind of stuff i can't say i didn't but i had my own issues i did have i did have a lot of issues with my reading and writing and all that kind of stuff that he had no idea about so it was kind of i'm sure he was just trying to help or something and but for a 19 year old it's probably a pretty nasty thing to say to them so it was very condescending at least that's for sure so yeah i yeah. mean i can link my inner critic back to kindergarten and oh. i was thinking about it the other day and wondering why she looks like this sort of stern matron who wears like Oh, beige tights and a skirt down to your calves and, you know, dowdy old shoes and stuff. And it was my kindergarten teacher. And I was sitting at this table with, um, oh, there were a bunch of boys and me and I don't know, one other girl or something. And we were all drawing pictures and we were having a great time because I was drawing pictures of dinosaurs eating all the boys at the table. <laughs> it was hilarious. They thought it was fantastic. And I was having such a good time and lapping up all the laughter and the fun. Yep. And this teacher who probably meant very well came over and pretty much said, oh, we don't do that. Yeah. And just shut me down. And, and I can link that to my inner critic. And that yes. has stayed with me since I was five. Oh, it's just awful, isn't it? And people say these things and they don't realise, but it just it just has such an effect on you, doesn't it? Like it's just awful. Yeah. Mm. And, and I suppose what I'm fascinated with is how to sort of shut down that dialogue and keep moving forward. So yeah. that's why I'm I'm on a mission to interview artists and creatives and see, yeah, what everyone has to say and what kind mm. of characters they present with and where it's come from.
Or maybe, like, you saying this, it's probably what I think about it because I probably haven't thought about that that whole too cool, like you've got to be this cool, tortured person to be an artist, which I just think was massive in the 90s. And it's so because my friends around art now, probably a lot since Instagram, are so much more like me. We're not, you know, again, I'm thinking of the 90s, this grungy, you know, dirty, sleeping in poverty. I was never going to be that person. I was probably a bit grungy, but I wasn't going to be, you know, I wasn't going to be sleep, you know, have no food and stuff like that. That wasn't going to be me. And now I've found a community of people that's, creative and wonderful and so much more like me that I don't feel like I have to be um, too cool for school anymore. Don't you think that's just the law of attraction too, though, that you're now attracting that different vibration of being, you know, know, five (laughs) (laughs) instead of a teenager? And and in the 90s it was all the teenage angst. I mean, I know my work was so teenage angst and, (laughs) yeah, it was was all their um, tortured faces and yeah all sorts of nonsense but my inner critic was quieter because I was creating more and then I feel like from about 19 to I don't know my mid late 20s I just kind of stopped and I didn't know what I was doing and I was just kind of creating bits here and there and yeah that's exactly um, me I was doing exactly the same thing exactly the same time and then you know I I feel like I've been absorbing a lot of what other people are doing and and watching and watching and it's only now and still only in little bits because of pandemic and small children that I'm sort of just tapping away at doing little bits of everything I've seen over the last couple of years Um, and everything I've learned you know, in a lifetime. And that for me is definitely shutting up that inner critic. As we get older, hopefully that inner critic gets quieter and quieter. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. because the kids grow up and we get more time to ourselves to kind of work, which means that then, not that I don't want to spend time with my kids. No, but, but the time you have to do it is precious. And then there's the day job and you know, the house and the mess and everything. So absolutely. if you had to assign a colour or an animal to your inner nasty critics, because it sounds like you've got two, you've got lazy no name and then you've got yeah. the, the terrifying um, wench yeah. that really gets on to you about dyslexia, which I never knew you had. I would never, ever <laughs> have thought that. Every email to me has been immaculate and perfect. Right. I have to check them a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, That's why I said to you, when you said, oh, you can find out the answers, I said, oh, conversation's probably better. <laughs> yeah, but I had no idea that there was so much fear behind, you oh, know. It's that terrifying. And- <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost, and look, when I when I get up for to read or have to, you know, read in front of people or something like that, I really, it's almost out of body. Like I really kind of, my eyes glaze over, like they get physically fuzzy and things like that. So it's almost, it's not a panic attack, but it's certainly almost an out-of-body Well, that sounds like a true phobia thing, not a critic talking. Uh, I mean, I don't 
love public speaking um, and I get, you know, jittery and nervous and there's a lot of monkey mind beforehand which can mean that all my thoughts get jumbled up and whether that's an inner it, critic, I don't know. It is probably a lot like that. It probably is a lot like that. And I guess it's also the fear, like if you send an email, the fear, and it happens all the time, of stuffing it up and it's the embarrassment. To be embarrassed about it is, that's, yeah, that's my credit, the embarrassment of which stuffing is, that which up. Which is so crazy to me because there's no part of your work that I ever think would embarrass you. Like, oh. it's just, like, like what you said, I mean, it's as meticulous as you go over your writing, you go over it and over it to make it perfect. It's the same with your paintings. They are, they're not... Um, they're not giant abstracts. They're they're very meticulous. They're very and maybe that's why. Yeah, and it's um it's interesting. I, I try to paint differently, and I just can't. Well, maybe that's that inherent um, trait that comes with the dyslexia and yeah. the, and the fear of it has to be precise and perfect, and that's the way that you um, kind of control that aspect yep. of your mind. Probably is. Never even thought about this. This is ridiculous. That's really true. It's probably really true. Yeah. I'm just fascinated with it. I really am. I mean, I'm no psychologist. Um, I've seen a few in my time, but I'm I'm just really curious. And I thought I might even interview a psychologist who give me a little bit of insight into why these dialogues stick around and why they're so damaging and and how to break through it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so um, much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, I love it. How interesting is the cast in Fee's mind? She has her lazy, no-name, uber-cool, messy red hair character. Then she has another terrifying inner critic when it comes to writing and speaking. And then she has her dad. The memory of him is now her motivator, a kind of inner champion helping her to create and succeed. Thank you so much for talking to me, Fee, and thank you for listening.